Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is here with me. We are previewing Michigan versus Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. Second time in three years, these two teams have clashed in Indianapolis. Michigan, of course, going for its third straight Big Ten title. Put them in rarefied air, even in Michigan's storied history. Not a ton of three-year, four-year, five-year streaks of Big Ten titles. I believe the last one was 1988 to 1992. And part of this is because they didn't used to have a championship game, but they've never won three straight unshared Big Ten titles. So they're going for history. They're also trying to secure their college football playoff spot, trying to avoid a hangover from their win over Ohio State. And frankly, with Georgia playing Alabama, Michigan's going for the number one seed. I feel like whether they're the one seed or the two seed, they'll probably end up in the Rose Bowl against the Pac-12 team. Personal thought on that, but at the same time, you know, being the one seed, being the number one team for the first time in, what, 26 years? I'm sure that would be a highlight for the players, a highlight for the fans as well. Myself, Alejandro, Sam Webb, will be down in Indianapolis providing live coverage from this game. You can read all that over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. We've also got lots of preview content heading into this game. And Steve, in addition to Iowa, we were talking before the show, we'll do a little bit of transfer portal discussion at the end of the show. We're not going to dig into everything yet because one, the portal isn't technically open. And two, Michigan is one of like, what, 20 teams who have a game this weekend. So they're not going to, I mean, they'll reach out to people, but this isn't Michigan's focus right now. They're trying to make sure that they capture some hardware this weekend. And to preview that, we'll start with some keys for Michigan's offense. That's where it's harder, I think. You know, not really out on a limb to say that. Michigan's defense, we'll talk about it, but they're in position to have a good day. I feel like Michigan's offense, they're going to have to slug it out a little bit. This is the third top five defense that they have faced in the last four games because Penn state's right up there. Ohio state's right up there. And Iowa's right up there. Michigan itself is up there and arguably statistically better, but this Iowa defense go look at their scores. I feel like that's the, the biggest indicator of, of how sound this defense is that they have won what four or five games this year where they didn't score more than 15 points. Last week, it was 13-10 against Nebraska. You know, they beat Northwestern in a low-scoring game. Kind of really, they've, they've lost a lot of offensive starters, but their defense has been really sound. They don't give up a lot of big plays. They don't miss a lot of tackles. And really, they, I think, are excellent in stopping the run. They've only given up two rushing touchdowns all season. I feel like sometimes Blake Corum gets two rushing touchdowns before fans even find their seat in some of these games. So, Steve, your thoughts on the challenge Michigan's offense is in for this week and your biggest key for the offense to get the job done? Uh, Probably similar to two years ago when these two teams met, right? 
Uh, I think it was, I, I particularly remember when Michigan did turn the ball, the one turnover I believe they had in that game. Well, ironically, I got to even think about it. It was McNamara to all. Uh, ball was tipped up in the air. Like Iowa capitalizes on those kind of situations as far as uh, those types of, the types of mistakes that lead to turnovers are what Iowa has kind of always been predicated on defensively. So I think if you're Michigan, I mean, it's, it's yeah, don't turn the ball over. Uh, I think if Michigan avoids making multiple mistakes offensively, then they should be able to, I think they'll still put up some points. We were talking before we even got on, Iowa's great statistically, but the really the one solid offense they played, yep. even then you could argue that, Penn, you could even argue Penn State, not that great offensively even, right? I mean, they're they're good, but not elite by any means. They beat Iowa pretty easily. Probably, probably Penn State's most impressive performance of the season. So, Kind of feel like that's where this game may eventually head. But, yeah, for Michigan, it really just comes down to not making the types of mistakes like that we really haven't seen them make out outside of what? Like a bowling green a little bit and then a couple hiccups against Maryland. But otherwise, I mean, it, it's, you know, Michigan has played good, solid, sound football offensively. So, you know, it really to me just is kind of a keep doing what you're doing type deal. But yeah, Iowa a little bit more elite and established in basically, I guess, kind of the art of forcing the turnover. So I think that's what you got to be on the lookout for if you're Michigan offensively. Yes, I think avoiding turnovers is paramount. And and Michigan quietly putting together maybe their best season in program history in terms of avoiding turnovers. I mean, everyone, people are still talking about that. Th- you know, four turnovers against Bowling Green, but that's like almost three months ago at this point. And since then, I believe they've only turned it over once or twice. So yeah, I, I think that's that plays into Michigan's hands. I think one other thing that plays into Michigan's hands, this is not a Iowa defense that gets after the quarterback a lot. You know, they're they're 48th in pro football focuses pass rushing grade. They are 84th nationally in sacks per game. So I think you know, if I'm Michigan's coaches, I'm telling J.J. McCarthy, look, you're going to have a little more time than you had against Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. And you're going to have an opportunity. Hey, maybe Roman Wilson can get open down the seam, right? Maybe Colson Loveland can be open for an eight-yard pickup. You know, I think I think the temptation for Michigan, and, and perhaps it works. Two years ago it worked. But I feel like the temptation might be there to try for the big play, go for the, the jugular. I mean, it's it's kind of, I really, really like the fearless game plan that they've had in these last two Big Ten championship games. But at the same time, I think more important will be that patience in the pocket. And then I think in the run game, you know, just understanding forward is a pace, right? You don't need to get happy feet. And Blake Corum's really good at this, but I think the rest of Michigan's running backs, you know, you don't have to be Barry Sanders, try to shake free, try to get around the outside and and break an angle. I mean, this is a team that's not going to mess up angles very often. They're not going to miss tackles very often. They're third in pro football focuses tackling grade. I mean, they got a linebacker who's got 141 tackles this season, which is absurd in 2023. So in the scope of the game, I think avoiding the turnovers and really just avoiding the wasted drives. Like, I think it would be better for Michigan instead of like rocking back and firing downfield 
two times and you have third and tens, so you're trying to run it up the middle for three yards like that. That's going to play into Iowa's hands because they love the field position battle. They've got probably the best punter in the country in Tory Taylor. Well, I guess that's all they've got now that I think about it. But, you know, they've got the punter. They, they What they've done to a lot of teams <laughs> Sorry, is was... they have sucked out the, the amount of drives you get in these games. You know, it's they're not dominating the time of possession, but they're able to, you know, to them, a 20-yard drive, like culturally, not just it has worked. Like this is something that they plan for to have a 20-yard drive, pin a punt inside the five, and then get the ball back when they punt, and it's like at the 35, and then they can get a field goal. Like, like to them, they, punting is winning. They have the shirts. Punting is winning. Field position can be winning. I want to read you some of the scores. Against Nebraska, it was 13-10. Against Illinois, it was 15-13. Against Northwestern, it was 10-7. Against Wisconsin, it was 15-6. They've embraced that they can win that way. And so Michigan, while I'm sure they have some plays up their sleeve that, that they think can exploit something here and there, I mean, they, they are co- missing Cooper DeGene, who I believe won defensive back of the year in addition to special teams player of the year. So, you know, that's an injury. I, you know, they're going to be down one safety, right? And they don't get to the quarterback a ton. So I think to me the biggest key is just, you know, I think Kirk Ferentz actually said it well in his – teleconference previewing this game he said you know Michigan doesn't leave the door open very much I think that's the biggest key for the offense is avoid the wasted drives you know gaining yardage can really put Iowa in a position where they can't recover from I mean this is not an I know we're jumping ahead a little bit but this is not an Iowa offense that I think can concoct multiple 75 yard drives on Michigan's defense not unless they play completely different than they've played all season. So yeah, just understanding that, Hey, not every run has to be a 20 yard run. In fact, they've only given up one 20 yard run all season and none more than 25 yards. So yeah, that's just not a a part of their game in the past game. They've only given up 17 plays of 20 yards or more. That is three less than anyone else in the country. And you know, you, you brought up a good point about Penn state and we, we were talking about it before we hit record. They haven't necessarily faced a lot of banner offenses. This was not a banner year. It hardly ever is, but in the Big Ten West, Nebraska, not a very productive offense. Northwestern, not a very productive offense. Illinois, not a very productive offense. Minnesota, not a very productive offense. You know, Wisconsin, productive at times, but generally not a particularly productive offense. So I am keeping an eye on Penn State and and how Penn State was able to win. Steve, they went pretty run heavy, but they weren't particularly effective at it. I mean, they only averaged 3.8 yards per carry. But against Iowa, that might be enough to keep Iowa on its heels consistently. And Penn State also, we know that they don't really throw the ball downfield this season much at all anyways. But yeah, it was a lot of waiting in the pocket, waiting in the pocket. Hey, tight ends open for six. Hey, wide receivers open for an eight-yard gain. It was a lot of those kind of plays. So yeah, I think patience not leaving the door open, the biggest keys. Let's do a couple over-unders provided by our good friend Neil via Zool on the message boards. Let's start with the running backs. Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum combined for 129.5 rushing yards. So Penn State ran for 215, I think. I think Michigan State ran for 156 yards. No one else has run for more than 117. And I feel like the run defense has been especially stout lately. 
I think I'm going to take the under on this one. I do feel like if Michigan has some big run plays, we talked about it in the Ohio State recap, you know, this might be a, I'm not saying they should, but this might be a game where if you want to shake that run defense loose, it might be J.J. McCarthy. You know, you might try to get some other backs involved. I think I'm going to take the under on 129.5. How about you? Hmm. Four quarter game. Um, I'll I'll agree with you on this one. I'll take the under. I, I just I don't know. I, I to to not to get too far ahead, but I just think Michigan probably kind of cruises here, so they may go into I don't want to say shell mode, but we may see some other guys out there. You know, I don't know. Necess- They've done that in the past, yeah. Right. Don't necessarily think Michigan is going to want to lean too heavily on these two guys if they don't have to. So. That's my primary reason for for going with the under. So, yeah, I'm going to go under on 129.5. All right, next one, 79.5 receiving yards for Michigan's tight ends. I think I'm actually going to take the over on this one. Maybe it's just a hunch. I just I feel like Colson Loveland keeps getting better and better. I feel like Iowa's got some cornerbacks who you don't really want to just chuck it and hope against them, right? You know, if they're open, like they've given up passes and they've given up yards this season, but – but I kind of feel like this is a game where it might be Colson Loveland, AJ Barner, you know, just kind of piecemealing pass plays here and there, little little pickups over the middle of the field, trying to exploit the safeties and linebackers in coverage. I'm going to take the over on this one, and then the last one on the offensive side, 2.5 sacks given up by the offensive line. I'm going to take the under on that one. I think Iowa quietly not super. They've not been productive in the pass rush this season, either getting pressure or getting sacks. I mean, Joe Evans is really good. They've got players who will play at the next level. I just feel like the pass protection, quote unquote, issues that fans were talking about for Michigan, little exacerbated by the fact that they suddenly were playing the two best pass rushing teams in the conference in Penn State and Maryland. I I think certainly came up a couple times against Ohio State, but I think ultimately this is still a good pass protecting line i just think that they people undersold the opposing defenses beforehand i don't feel like iowa as as good as they are at so many things they just aren't really a pass rushing defense so i'm taking the under on that over on the tight ends under on the sacks how about you yeah that's a tough one did so we called that pretty good we called it spot on last week right about we thought colson loveland would have a pretty big game for michigan because yeah that I mean, quietly had just a very good season too. Yes. I mean, yes, five hundred and something yards, right? How about like a very? He's not going to win the Mackey, but a very Jake Butt type season. I feel like as far as uh, being an elite safety valve with a little bit more to his game. That's kind of how it's felt, you know. Like, I, and safety valves like such a to me is a huge compliment at tight end uh, as a guy you can rely on. What, how many third, fourth downs uh, has Loveland helped Michigan convert? So that being said, I don't just a hunch. I'm going to go under on that one. Uh, I'm going to go under on the sacks also. Although I do wonder with with Jones likely to start at tackle if Iowa tries to maybe kind of attack him early in the rut from the, in the pass rush because he's a great he's been a great run to run blocker throughout his career, but maybe not quite as good protecting the passer. So that's just a little thing I'm keeping an eye on. I, I agree. I don't like, like you said, the stats back up. I was been, we'd say like mediocre as far as getting after the quarterback, but uh, 
you know, I'm still going to take the under either way. So under, under. Okay. We're going to hit a quick break on the other side. We'll talk about the keys, I guess, for Michigan's defense in this matchup. And we'll also take a early sneak preview at Michigan's role and what to expect this month from the Wolverines in the transfer portal. You're listening to the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, Steve, I, I kind of said it facetiously right before the break. Yeah, biggest key for Michigan's defense in this game. Honestly, honest to goodness, this is not some bit or anything. It's just a bad offense. Out of 133 FBS teams. Iowa is 133rd in yards per game, yards per play. They are a 130th in passing yards per game, 132nd in passing yards per attempt, 132nd in passer rating, 132nd in completion percentage, 104th in rushing yards per game, 113th in rushing yards per carry, 123rd on third downs, and 131st on red zone touchdown percentage like I I don't say this lightly I think that really the biggest key for Michigan's defense will just be to show up focus don't think you're going to walk through it because Iowa will make plays if you are making lazy or are lazy on, on your assignments but at the same time this is an this is an offense that was already pretty bad and has six starters currently preseason or you know primary starters out with injury three offensive linemen two tight ends including Eric all and of course Cade McNamara quarterback so you know this is an offense that is just kind of trying to hang on trying to put some things together really just trying not to lose for the defense which is such a you know in today's college football just really don't see it that often but Steve you've seen the numbers biggest key for Michigan's defense in this matchup uh yeah I don't really you, you you really can't lay it out any more than you did as far as like just yeah don't sleepwalk through this game there's really no excuse for Michigan not to to dominate Iowa on this side of the ball you know I, I just it, it, it's amazing to me that Iowa won 10 games it, I, we talked about this before we got on I just I always want I almost kind of wonder if Kirk Ferentz should have won big time I know the the uh, Braun at Northwestern deservedly won Big Ten Coach of the Year. Don't get me wrong, but to win 10 games with an offense as as bad as Iowa's is, is just, it's crazy to me. And I know how how insanely mediocre the Big Ten West is across the board, but to still win that division by two games 
with an offense as poor as theirs is, is, is still just, it's bizarrely impressive, I guess. Like you, I mean, yeah. you rattle yeah. off the scores earlier in most of their games. It's like, it's just, it's, it's, uh, you know, you just don't see that anymore in football. Not, I was going to say college football. You just don't see that in football anymore. So yeah, I mean, for Michigan, it is. It's just, it is like you kind of said, show up uh, to me and say, I don't sleepwalk. It's, uh, you know, uh, just come to play. Anything you want to see from the defense, you know, because uh, we talked about right. some of the things last week about you, you what, know what I, you know what I want to see. Show. I want to see Michigan sit Will Johnson because I don't think they need to play him. And I want to see them continue to rotate in the defensive backs like they did against Ohio State. I guess I'd like to see more Jaden McBurrows, more Quentin Johnson at safety, Keon Sab, who really didn't play much safety on Saturday. Like, you know, just maybe continue that rotation because you never know when you may have to reach a little bit deeper into the bag. You know, if you're to win and move on to the playoffs, you never really know. I So I guess that'd be something that I would, yeah, that I would be looking for. Uh, get Jimmy Rolder some more reps maybe i know I, I think michigan would prefer to sit him but you know isn't well Junior they've Colson said kind of in bang, the past isn't he kind they, of banged up right yes he's got a he's got a club on his hand real quick on rolder sorry they were going to redshirt him this year but now they have sat him enough games that he can play every game from here on out and he won't burn his redshirt so i think okay. now they view him right. as active yeah okay so you know maybe see a little again i mean i guess and like you said i was like i'm not even trying to crap on Iowa it's just their offense is statistically this bad I think this is an opera it's an opportunity for some of those other guys to get some some big big atmosphere reps some big game opportunities so I guess that's kind of what I'd be looking for outside of the yeah the simple just don't screw this up you're talking about we're talking the the original line was more than the combined over under for Iowa Nebraska last week. I mean, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just bizarre. So pretty simple. Yeah. I think a couple technical things that I would throw in there. I think um, Addison Estrenga at tight end, I think he's quietly been playing better as of late. You know, he's the third string tight end, but perhaps more so than Michigan. If I was putting a tight end out there, they're probably pretty good. Even with injuries, uh, I think he's quietly, you know, and we just haven't seen, I mean, Cade Stover, perhaps, and Penn State, perhaps, too. But but Iowa, I remember the last two times they faced Michigan, they picked up some plays with those those tight end throwbacks where they've got the whole defense running to the right, they throw it to the left. I, you know, I think that's just something to to keep an eye on, especially if they are trying to work in some depth here and there. So that's that's one. I think this also, in terms of big picture, I hate to say it for like the eighth week this season, but I really do think this is a defense that is better if that pass rush, it's feeling itself. And Iowa with Deacon Hill in there, they're giving up pressure on 37. And that's not facing defenses like Michigan, Penn State, Maryland. So I think this, you know, if I'm thinking, okay, what would really have Michigan in, in prime position heading into the playoffs? I think maybe continuing to see a little bit more pass rush from those defensive ends. I'm I'm sure they're motivated. I mean, they were not super well represented in the All-Big Ten 
teams. I'm sure they're hungry about that. I'm sure that they they take a lot of pride in in how well they've played this season. Well, this is an opportunity to show voters, the country, the conference, whatever, that, that you've, you've got a little more juice than you're getting credit for. So not exactly a novel concept, but if you thought Iowa's past game was mediocre in a clean pocket, it's, it's even worse under pressure. I mean, so far this season, Deacon Hill has 22 completions on 63 attempts with zero touchdowns and two interceptions under pressure. So, yeah, I think if you get some sacks, then it's third and long. Iowa doesn't really have anything it can do on third and long. I mentioned 120-something in third down conversion rate. You know, this is not a – as long as Iowa can't three-and-a-half yard carry, three-and-a-half yard carry, three-and-a-half yard carry, as long as Michigan doesn't let that happen, I mean, they should be able to tee off a little bit in this game. A lot of drops in the receiving game, not a lot of great throws in the passing game. Offensive line is missing, I believe, three starters. Not especially good. 1.5 yards before contact per carry. And then I mentioned the 37% pressure rate allowed. So, you know, I think a lot of those Iowa teams that would that could play that that low-scoring hardball with a team like Michigan, they've still got the defense for it. I don't think they have the offensive line for it this year. I think it's a rebuilding year on the offensive line. And that that speaks to what you said. Extremely impressive for Iowa to still get 10 wins. I don't care who you're playing. I mean, just to, to go through six starters on offense, getting injured, you're the worst offense in the country. And yet you're still winning these games. You're just finding a way to win and showing that grit. Okay. Question for you. If you weren't shown Iowa's record or their results, and you just got to look at their statistical output and everything, what would you like knowing you'd know what their schedule was, who they had to play, but sure. what would you predict their record like, what would you guess that their record would be below yeah, 500? Like a, probably six and six, seven and five. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's just, and again, we know, so they're always elite special teams. That's like kind of their calling. It's always been one of their calling cards. But again, we've seen what elite special teams can do, right? Michigan's also had elite special teams many years under Jim Harbaugh, but Michigan's also had much, much more explosive offensive units. I, it's just, it's, I'd almost say five and seven. I mean, the, the literally the worst offense in the country. Like I just, yeah, I, it's just amazing. So uh, yeah, no interested Especially to see what they injuries, try to do. Yeah. Interested to see what they try. If they do try, like again, they're, they're obviously there's not, there's a lot of, I don't even know if the right for a lot of limit on what they can do. Very limited, but I'm just interested to see if, if they try to do, something you know but i guess even even in the game two years ago they didn't really do anything it was try to feed sam laporta as much as possible is really what their offensive yeah. game plan kind of came down to and then i believe then they switched quarterbacks in the middle of the game yeah they didn't also. know who their starting quarterback was going to be before the game right yeah so it's just you know i don't know maybe it'll be a repeat but then you are you probably argue they're worse off at quarterback right now than they were heading into that game even though I they would- yeah, right? you can make that argument. Yeah, no offense to Deacon to, Hill, uh, yeah, Hill, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's yeah, because he's kind of a thankless, a thankless spot for right. a guy to be thrown into. But yeah, I'm just interested to see what what Iowa tries to do to move the football. Uh, it's just it'll be interesting. So let's do a couple quick over unders. I'm sensing there'll be a lot of unders, but we'll see what Neil came up for us. Oh, geez, they're low. All right. Iowa's leading rusher gained 64.5 yards. So it's what LaShawn Williams, Caleb Johnson. I 
I'm taking the under. I think Michigan's going to really not sell out to stop the run, but I think they're going to put more of an emphasis into stopping the run this week because I think they're just going to dare Iowa to pass. You know, the past three games, they have not stacked the box. They have not, you know, funneled guys in to stop the run because they've been facing pass-first offenses. So I'm thinking Michigan's going to really put an emphasis on stopping the run. I'm taking the under on that one. How about you, Steve? Yeah, no, hard to not agree. Yeah, Michigan's going to take the approach that a lot of teams took with them this year, right? All out, it, it, The difference is, yeah, Iowa doesn't really have anything that resembles a complete passing game. Uh, so, yeah, I think Michigan will, you know, yes, even stack the box possibly, try to do whatever they possibly can to force Iowa into, you know, third and eight, third and nine, and then uh, look to force turnovers at that point. So, so yeah, I'll go with the under. We'll uh, say, that- though, Michigan Michigan loved Caleb Johnson coming out of high school. Yeah. You know, they. I think their backs actually have some talent. I just don't think, you know, the supporting cast is, is I was going to say, they're getting – one and a half yards before contact on average. I mean, that's just not enough to be an effective yeah, yeah. run game this season. So, and plus, plus they split carries a little bit. So I'm, I'm going to guess neither get to 65 yards. All right, next one. This might be the wild card. Cause I think a lot of people think, okay, well, Iowa's offense can't really move the football, but they avoid turnovers. I'm actually going to take the over on 1.5 turnovers. Michigan's defense is forced. It's crazy how quickly this has become a legitimate strength for Michigan's defense. I mean, it felt like just a year ago, I think they were last nationally in forced fumbles. You know, now they're they don't recover every fumble they force, but they're popping, you know, the ball out here and there. They're they're picking off passes. Plus, I got to think at some point Iowa gets a little bit more desperate and they say, "Hey, we got to we got to make something happen or we're losing this game." But Iowa's offense 16 fumbles they haven't lost all of them 16 fumbles and if i'm not mistaken 10 interceptions this season that's just i feel like michigan's gonna have a chance to really play some takeover football uh if they continue to force turnovers the way that they have how about you oh yeah over for sure yeah no i'll take the over as well same reason michigan will sell out to stop the run for some third and longs so they can create mistakes out of that. And then, as you said, they, the mentioning the fumbles. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'll take the over for sure. I'd almost, I'm going to make a, I don't know if it's bold. They'll force two in the first half. How about that? Oh, okay. That's a little bold. Yeah. All right. All right. Mark that one down, Neil. Give him a bonus point if he does that. All right. Last one. I need, I need all the bonus points I can get, Neil. Come on, man. <laughs> Iowa punts 7.5 times. I have no idea what Tory Taylor's average is this season. I feel like I want to say he's punted 79 times. Yeah, 79 punts. But, man, he is good. Leads the country in net punting average. So that's 44-point yards per punt minus touchbacks and returns. He's averaging over 47.5 yards per punt. 31 pins inside the 20 yard line. And that's, that's an impressive stat for Tory Taylor, but it is also indicative that Iowa not super great at kicking this season, I would say. And they are, we've seen it for years. Kirk Ferentz, very comfortable playing field position, trusting his defense, trusting his punter. I mean, if they have the ball at Michigan's 40 and it's fourth down, there's a very good chance that they're punting that ball. So I'm going to take the over on 7.5 punts and I think Neil knew better than to ask because we'd both take the over, but 
but who does Tory Taylor have more punting yards or does Iowa's offense have more total yards? I feel like that's got to be one of the easiest overs you could imagine, <laughs> yeah, especially no. if he's punting eight times at 45 a pop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're not gaining 300. They're not going to put it. It'd be, uh, it'd be insane if they put up 300 yards of total offense. Yeah. I'll take the over as well. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing about Ferentz being totally comfortable uh, trying to play the field position game. That's yeah. They've done that for years. Even when they had solid, I'd say even when they had like decent offenses, uh, he was, he's always been comfortable playing the field position game. Uh, so yeah, no, I definitely will take the over and yeah, I would also take the over on the punting yardage versus total offensive yardage for Iowa. All right. Last thing for the game, before we talk about the transfer portal, final score prediction and any additional thoughts you have on this contest? Uh, no additional thoughts. I think Michigan faced their two biggest tests in the last three weeks against Penn state and Ohio state. I don't look at Iowa as that level of test. For Michigan at this point, this really just comes down to Michigan not laying a complete egg, in my opinion. Uh, I think Michigan wins comfortably. I'm going to say 30, 31 to 6. I'm going to take Michigan 31 to 6. Okay, I've got something similar. I'm saying 30 to 3. You know, I think it's going to be very interesting to me, at least. Iowa didn't really get to face you know, Ohio state or Michigan and, and yeah, the big 10 West, it just felt like every team's offense was doing like a rebuilding year this year. They lost a lot of quarterbacks or they changed coordinators or in a couple cases, you know, they had a new head coach, kind of a weird year to evaluate a defense when they really have only faced, I would say one top 50 offense all season. I'm not 100% sure that's the case, but it, it just, I test. I know Northwestern isn't, Nebraska, Minnesota, so on and so forth. And the one time they face a top 50 offense, and I don't even know if Penn State is what they're used to being on offense, and they scored 31 points. So, yeah, I I think it'll be 30-something to less than 10. I will say 33-3. to I've got this game. Personally, I I feel like it might start a little slow because I think Michigan just wants to avoid, you know, the dummy play, right? I expect some... A lot of fair catches in the return game. I expect, you know, maybe not conservative in terms of fourth down play calling, but I don't think they're going to, although this is where they had Iowa two years ago, right? I don't know that Michigan's going to do a double pass first quarter. We'll see, though. They like to have fun in this game. You know, you look at the game plan the last couple of years, so I think they eventually get to that point and they start to pull away a little bit. All right, Steve, let's turn over to the transfer portal, and we'll probably do... This probably won't be our last transfer portal discussion this month of December. I think the transfer portal window officially opens Monday. So it'll be Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game, college football playoff selection show, transfer portal opens. Definitely want to, if you haven't already, sign up over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com, so you can get some of the inside scoop on all of those things, plus signing day, not too far away. It's also in this month. But Steve, I, I, we were joking before we hit record. It feels like our message board is talking more about the transfer portal than this Michigan-Iowa game. And that's just kind of the nature of the beast, right? It's, it's how the draft and free agency have taken over a lot of these pro sports. It's how recruiting got so big. Everyone's always kind of taking a peek at what's next. And Steve, last year, Michigan did not lose a lot of transfer portal players before they lost in the playoffs. I believe it was Eric All, 
Cade McNamara, who I think had already decided they were going to transfer before the portal window opened. And then it was Louis Hanson, George Rooks, who I don't believe played more than five, 10 snaps all season. And then Alan Bowman, who obviously was kind of a unique situation. He actually ended up traveling and practicing with the team for the Fiesta Bowl. But really, I think the departures might come if there are departures. There's always departures, right? That might come after the season ends. But in terms of adding players, Michigan was not shy and not reactive about adding players in the transfer portal last season. They didn't know what Zach Zinter and Trevor Keegan were going to do. It didn't matter. They added three offensive linemen in the portal, right? They didn't know necessarily what was going to happen at edge. They didn't know what was going to necessarily happen at linebacker. Didn't matter. They were adding players, right? So I expect Michigan to be aggressive and active. And I would argue more aggressive, more active than last season, just because the potential we were running through the position groups. I mean, there's multiple position groups on both sides of the ball where they could lose every one of their starters this season, hypothetically. You know, then NFL draft decisions. I know Michigan is aggressive at the one more year NIL fund, but at the same time, a lot of these players, you know, are going to see an opportunity to go pro. And and now you're running into a situation where juniors and seniors are kind of like, hey, I might have three Big Ten championship rings. I might be three and zero against Ohio State. Who knows? They might win a national championship. At that point. You know, you don't have unfinished business that you're coming back to necessarily. You might individually, but as a team, uh, the business is getting done. So, Steve, I think they're going to be more active. Your thoughts on that? And then let's start with the offensive side. What's a position group that if you're Michigan, you're scouring the portal the most closely right now? So, yeah, I mean, it's hard not to agree. They'll definitely be more aggressive just because, yeah, I think the numbers to replace will be much greater. The position I'm watching the closest, probably wide receiver almost certain to lose Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. I can't remember with COVID, like who technically Dude, has I feel like everyone's got like a, an extra year, but, but no, they right. both have stated they both were the one more year. Right. Returnees. So I think, I think receiver is one spot where, uh, especially because outside of say like a Darius Clemens, you know, I know he didn't play a lot, but a Christian Dixon, I, I don't know if Michigan has, many if any receivers over six two six one six two on the roster so uh scholarship wise so I think that's something where well just an example he's probably not going to end up at Michigan but I do know Michigan probably at least was going to reach out to Notre Dame transfer Tobias Merriweather a six three six four kid out of Washington they really liked out of high school well they probably liked him too late but they did like him and made a late run at him uh, in high school. He announced yesterday he'll enter the portal. He'll probably end up somewhere closer to home, but somebody Michigan, I believe, will at least inquire on, uh, you know, just as an example that they're going to go after those types of guys. So, so yeah, receiver, probably for sure the one position where I expect Michigan to be aggressive. But one thing to note, I've always said it, Michigan's approach in the portal is to just get, is if they find a player that will make their roster better, from top to bottom uh, it is, I mean, yes, there are positions that are, there's more need let's say, but they are not afraid to take a guy at a position where they may already have players or depth at, if they think it will make them better. Yep. So we right, saw that so, last year, right? Offensive line. Yes. So, yep. and again, I mean, it's common sense, but I think a lot of people approach it like recruit, almost approach it like recruiting where it's like, okay, well we need, a receiver and 
if Corum and Edwards both leave, we need a back. So yeah, they'll probably try to improve those positions, but you know, let's just say another elite, you know, Keegan and Zinter leave. We know Michigan actually is pretty deep at guard. Al Hadi's played a ton throughout his career. Michigan, yep. I, I think he's still a guy that Michigan has high hopes for. It's not going to stop them from taking a, if they find a guard that they believe could come in and start and play right away and be an asset. They'll still take the guy. So you know, it's it's a combination of need, but also just roster improvement from top to bottom. And, and the other thing too, the portal has become more important for Michigan because Michigan is more attractive to portal kids than it is yes. to some elite recruits is it coming out of high school. Fair to characterize portal recruitments as more business oriented than high school recruits. Like they're thinking about the NFL. They're thinking about winning games. Yes. 1000, 1000 theatrics of high school pros. Yeah. Pros not, you know, with, with a quote, the, the quote NIL, uh, which is become pay for play, pay up front as a disguise It's called NIL. It's not, you know, for kids who haven't even enrolled at the school that they're going to play at. Yeah. Michigan does not have to, they can reload their roster without having to deal with those kind of situations. You know, I mean, we just saw it yesterday with Ohio State losing a five-star commitment. Who Love that graphic, man. Literally had stacks of $100 bills in his <laughs> graphic. And it's like, my thought is like elite player, but if you're Ohio State, you you know, maybe, maybe it could be the type of guy that leaves after a year, depending. I, I don't know of a defensive tackle who'd want to go play at Miami over Ohio State right now. But anyway, Michigan can, can improve their roster. We've seen it continuously too, because Michigan's had such success in the portal, uh, you know that they can improve it without, yeah, without having to deal with that that BS that that other schools, you know, that, that are are more desperate. You know, the A and M's, the 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 Miami's, desperate to 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 try to improve their roster that way. Michigan, yeah, with with such a long laundry list of guys they've produced in the pros at every position and are finding success. Yeah, when you get guys who want to are looking for a new destination. I think they don't want to go through that BS anymore either. They want, they, they understand what the stakes are now. Who's going to prepare me best to get me to the next level. Michigan has, again, has one of the best pitches, if not really pound for pound. When you consider, I think the other schools who have produced more pros at this point are like the Bama's and Georgia's who are signing like 10, five stars each cycle. Uh, Michigan's right up there with those schools and they've been able to do it by, by, Again, they've they've had elite guys, but a lot of them have been like completely molded and developed by them uh, for two or three years. So, so yeah, no portal is is actually become a a to me it's almost as important, if not more important, now for Michigan than actually the recruiting classes that they're signing. Those the five star kids who are, well, just call it what it is, looking for money right up front to go to school. So, right, yeah. or even even if they're not looking just for money, they're looking for the the recruiting process often gets discussed as something players want to enjoy. Right. You know, it's funny with transfer portal recruits. It's like they enter the portal, they might commit in like 24 hours. And sometimes that's tampering, but sometimes they just like, I think to some of the players Michigan recruited last year, it was like Michigan offered and they were like, yeah, sounds good. They meet Ben Herbert They're They look at the stats. They yeah. Drake, the Drake Nugent, Drake Nugent was pretty much a, Signed, sealed, and delivered when he decided right, to transfer. Right. He was going to go to Michigan. So yeah, I think the process is often a lot more business-like as well. In terms of offensive position groups, I think wide receiver is probably the 
biggest one, not knowing offensive line decisions. But I think running backs right up there. And what's going to make this key for Michigan is obviously one, you do kind of wait to see what Donovan Edwards decides. He has been pretty outspoken that he wants to go pro after this year, but he sits here at 12 weeks in with 354 rushing yards. Does he get different feedback than he got a year ago Yeah, uh, in terms of from NFL scouts? So that's, that's a part of it. Cause I don't think you do that to Donovan. I mean, he's been pretty patient about being the number two back over the past couple of years, but there's going to be a lot of running backs who enter the portal and all of them, if Michigan calls, will pick up the phone because they saw Blake Corum was an injury away from the Heisman Trophy discussion. Blake Corum's won two straight Big Ten running back of the year awards. Hassan Haskins was highly productive in his senior season. So, you know, everyone knows Michigan's run first. So I got to think any running back who, you know, flirted with a thousand yards last season, if Michigan likes their film and calls them, they're going to pick up the phone. And I think that's also true on the offensive line, just looking at the the amount of draft caliber linemen Michigan has, one, sent to the NFL, but two, has on its roster right now that are fourth or fifth year guys. You know, they're not all going to come back. So I think that's another one. But running back, I think it's somewhere Michigan hasn't really, I don't think Michigan's recruited a transfer portal running back since Ty Isaac. So, and that was obviously a very different era of college football. So, I think it'll depend on Donovan Edwards' decision, but Blake Corum has basically said this is his last season. And then beyond those two, the number three is Kalam Mullings. The number four this season, based on carries, was Benjamin Hall. Number five was Leon Franklin. So they've they've got guys behind those three, but I think if you're looking into 2024, especially because there will be high-profile running backs in the portal, guys who want to be all American or want to win the Heisman or want to go to the NFL. And they just, they weren't on a good enough team before. So I think you'll definitely see some running backs that Michigan might to take a hard look at. All right. Over on defense, they've already offered to your point about, they'll just go after anyone who can help them. Joey Slackman defensive tackle from Penn. You know, they've got Mason Graham. They've got Kenneth Grant. They've got Rayshon Benny back at D tackle, but Slackman number one defensive player in the portal right now. A lot of, I don't know how much you've read into it, Steve, a lot of Michigan recruit green flags, I guess, in terms of obviously academics, but also, you know, from the Northeast, wants to play in a defensive front that's similar to Michigan's. So, you know, Michigan's hardly the only suitor, but I got to think they're selling him the Chris Jenkins role. So that's that's an area where I wouldn't say is a huge need. I think from there, I think you are kind of looking at, okay, what's a position where they don't have a star coming back necessarily, where they don't know, and... And they don't necessarily haven't necessarily recruited the position as well over the past few years as they've hoped. And I feel like it's got to be the linebacker position. You know, they'll, they'll lose Michael Barrett. Junior Colson could opt to come back. Obviously, Ernest Hausman will be back. But I think Michigan feels like, and some of it depends on what they do long term at linebacker coach. But I got to think they're looking at that linebacker position, especially if Col- Colson goes, because I think he could go. We're not really, I'm not super into the speculation, but. He's He's been productive. NFL scouts like his film a lot. I feel like that's a position where if I'm Michigan, I might be even reaching out to guys now. I might not even wait till Monday. You know, I might, as, as long as other schools are going to do this, you might as well try to get in line or, or even be at the front of line for some of these linebacker prospects. How about you? Yeah, I think linebacker is a good one. And yeah, I think one, two things. Well, one thing, no, I guess two. Slack, the Slackman offer notable because A, it's really, it's the only offer I believe they've officially 
put out. It's the only one I've noticed. So right, that I've said it's the only one I've seen. Out. Yeah, you can never have enough of those guys, though, right? I think that's. I think that's where that. That's what that really comes down to. And yeah, they're probably. I'm sure they're pitching him like a Chris Jenkins type role. But Michigan was going to be really good next year up front regardless. But yeah, that's a position we've seen the value of Michigan being able to heavily rotate in the middle throughout the year. So not surprised that they made that move. And yeah, I think Michigan is going to be right up there for him. Yeah, he's got at least like, what, 23 or 24 schools that offered him? Yeah, it was right like away. it was the whole paragraph when I wrote them out in the story. Yeah, I mean, he and he got a lot of, like, he was he had like 12 or 13 the first day. Going to be a heavily pursued guy, but yeah, one that, yeah, like you said, fits. It's a, It seems like a nice fit on both sides, but uh, yeah, linebacker, I agree. And then a corner is always a spot, I think, you know, just just because well, yeah, again, much... you'll lose Josh Wallace and Mike Sainer still. Yeah. So you recruited well, like... but there's room for sure. Yes. Much like you can't have enough good interior players. It's the same. You can never have enough good cornerbacks, you know? And so that's a position. I, that's a position that almost no matter what the roster looks like, that's a spot. I think Michigan is heavily going to look at guys either way. So, and most schools will. So, yeah, I mean, I would put corner way up there. Um, yeah, but yeah, I agree with you at linebacker too. I, I think Michigan's bringing in a really good linebacker class, but you can't count on any of those guys necessarily. You can't bank on them to come in, walk in right away and and play. Don't know much about... You know, we we saw literally none of either of the the two they recruited last cycle with or with Hayden Moore and and Samaj Bridgman. Hard to totally know, just 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 out of the unknown. It's hard to totally know what they have there as well. And like you said, we could easily they could easily be they'll be without Barrett and Colson could very well leave, which leaves you with yeah Ernest Hausman, Jimmy Rolder, and. Micah Pollard, maybe, you know, still think that Michigan, I still believe last I knew I feel Michigan's, like there's a lot of guys the jury's still out on. Right. But I would include Holder that, in that group. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Um, still feel like Michigan has hopes for Micah Pollard. Uh, but again, we don't, that's, it's still not anything that we've seen. So either way, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, again, they'll go after any position if they feel like that the right guy is there. So, uh, but yeah, need wise, yeah, linebacker. And corner probably the two that jump out right away. I'm sure a lot of listeners are wondering if we would mention quarterback. I don't know about you, Steve. That's an ask again later, right? I mean, I think you can still add right like a Jack Tuttle type quarterback, but the possibility of JJ McCarthy, I feel like that's like the one position where you see projected first round picks opt to return, hoping to move up to top ten picks, or with NIL negotiating some deal that will entice them to stick around for another year. I kind of want to see a little more of that uh, and see what JJ McCarthy decides, but you don't wait until he decides to reach out to guys. You know, if you're Michigan's coaches, you're probably asking him, okay, what's, what's the situation? Be honest with us. We won't give it away, but are we looking for a, starter Big Ten championship caliber quarterback in the portal, or are we looking for maybe an experienced backup like a Jack Tuttle or Alan Bowman in the portal this cycle? So you'll kind of see, I think you'll see a little bit of what Michigan thinks is going to happen based on who they 
offer in the transfer so portal. I would be so I'm sure at least some of the people out there listening know that so like Dante Moore intends to enter the portal when available. I would be very, very surprised if Michigan didn't at least reach out again to see what he's thinking. Yeah. So uh so yeah. And again, I that would be regardless of what McCarthy decides to do. Cause there's a what two, three year gap between the two of them. Uh so yep. you know twenty twenty one and twenty twenty three. Right. So I suspect, like you said, ask again later. I agree, but I still also think we're going to see them inquire on some guys because, yeah, I think at the very least they may want just more, a little bit more insurance. I know Jaden Davis is coming in too. They're, they they love Jaden Davis. They recruited him harder than some guys who are going to end the cycle ranked a little bit higher. But again, another position where you can never have enough depth and never have enough experience. So, well, so the one thing though, is if you have too much depth and every school in the country has dealt with this, you lose it, right? It's kind of, there's only so many quarterbacks on scholarship who will stick around on a team, right? No one. Well, that comes then that, that quarterback, right? Then that kind of comes down to what do they do with Alex Orgy, or what you know, or or what happens with Jaden Denigle? Those might be the guys that that would impact the most, right. right? So, well, and if you're Michigan, there's no penalty to offering these quarterbacks, and then if the quarterback's like, well, hey, is JJ McCarthy saying? I mean, Michigan can say, I don't know. True. And it, it's maybe not like the best recruiting pitch, but at least it's straight up. And at least those quarterbacks know kind of like what they're signing up for. Like there's no penalty to offering right. a tr- quarterback right. recruit. Cause there, there's already like what 50 in the yes. portal. So it's ridiculous. And on top of that, it's not going to have any impact on McCarthy's decision either. <laughs> like they, like they could take literally any quarterback that that's in the portal right now, or that will probably enter the portal. It's not going to make, it's not going to change like McCarthy's going to make his decision regardless of that. It's, you know what I mean? It's not as if uh, they're going to take, they'd get a guy that could really challenge him uh, for that job. So yeah, it, it's no, and that's what Michigan would do from my experience. Uh, they're not, I don't think that they're in the, they've never been in the business sometimes to a fault uh, of not really BSing these guys when it comes to stuff like that. So yeah, if, if Dante Moore was to enter, and Moore's camp is is saying, well, what's McCarthy going to do? And Michigan doesn't know. I fully suspect that's what Michigan would say. We don't know. We're preparing for every outcome. You're the guy we'd like. You know that 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 type of stuff. So, uh, so yeah, no, not the worst position for Michigan to be in, obviously. But, uh, but yeah, it's a position where I I'd be yeah, again, a projected first round draft pick might come back. Right. Like yeah. That's that's kind of for quarterbacks. They're kind of like okay. Like at you least, know. you know, Hey, he's projected first rounder. That's what yes. I'm looking for. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah, not a bad position for Michigan to be in, but, but yeah, another, like I said, I fully expect them to in- inquire on some guys before. Yeah. Before they know for sure what JJ is going to do. And I think a lot of people are assuming JJ's left. Uh, you know, I know Sam's on our, the recruiting pod has mentioned a few times. He's not convinced it's a it's a done deal. We saw what the one more year, how many guys that one more year deal got back. You have to think that McCarthy would benefit from that at an at an even greater level than any of those guys, including Corum, were able to do. So, depending on where JJ ends up on some draft boards, you know, I think there's a, it's a little more of a question than maybe some people maybe out there are assuming that he's gone no matter what. So, 
Well, yeah, we've seen, not to oversimplify it, but yeah, there are quarterbacks in the country who are making more in college than they would make in the pros. So, yeah, I mean, I think I saw J.J. McCarthy has been projected around uh, 22nd, and I believe that that is, I think that's around $2.7 million, which a lot of money for you and I, but I don't think that's like out of the realm of possibility for Michigan to, to pool that money you know, to have a Big Ten championship quarterback, guy who's 25-1 and one as a starter back for another season. So stay tuned on that. That's an ultimate ask again later. And obviously, be sure to subscribe and read the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan247sports.com. We've got portal stuff. We've got Big Ten championship preview stuff. We've got high school recruiting things. I mean, this is, this is one of our busiest times of the year because it feels like it all collides. We'll have live coverage from Indianapolis. So be sure to check all that out. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time.